How's it going, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McAloon, and I am joined by my awesome co-host, Michael Farber. We are recording on Monday, October 24th, and today we are going to be talking about Texas's brutal loss to Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns' updated roster, depth chart, 2023 recruits and targets, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check that out. Um, It'll be linked in the episode description. With all that said, Michael, how was your weekend? Yeah, wasn't bad. Um, You know, it's actually been really beautiful here. It hasn't gotten too cold. Um, So I'm really excited about that. Um, Saturday was good, Um, you know, outside of the end of the game there. But yeah. uh, Played in a golf tournament with my dad Saturday morning. Missed, missed. I think the first quarter, first game. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end there, I kind of, kind of got distracted. Lost my only ball of the day. So, so I'm pretty happy about that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it was a good game, a uh, good day, um, nice day out. And you know, even with the loss, it was such a fun day that you know, I, it, I didn't love me too much. I, I was a little bit frustrated, but you know, it, we still have a chance chance how about you absolutely uh so if you don't know i i said it last week but i me and my wife drove all the way down from chicago to uh tulsa that was about an 11 hour drive we stopped in st louis halfway through and stayed the night there um but it was overall a, a really fun weekend um then we obviously drove to stillwater that morning um walked around oklahoma state's campus it's actually a pretty nice campus it's it, a lot of new buildings if you haven't been there um i'd recommend going to uh to a texas game there uh before they move to the sec really nice um but obviously the game was brutal walking out man uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many uh so many horns downs i couldn't even count my wife was getting into it not in a not in a bad way she was uh she was just scrapping and and talking her uh, talking her smack as well, uh, throwing the pokes down, which was I thought hilarious. <laughs> she has no idea what that is, but <laughs> it was just hilarious to see. Um, but overall, it was a really fun weekend. We got a lot of uh, SEC chance too, which I'm like, that's a that's a weird flex because the SEC is like objectively better, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. Overall, really fun weekend. Um, huge damper is that Texas game though. So, um, I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to give my like sights and sounds, what I thought about the game. And then I was going to throw it to you. Are you cool with that? Or, or do you have something off off the top of your dome that you want to get out? No, no, you can go ahead. Um, I'm a little bit of a rant here after you get done so i'll I'll let you start (laughs) perfect perfect yeah so obviously we're at the game um pretty nice seats we got actually we were right next to the uh, texas locker room if you follow our instagram page you saw we we took videos of the texas players coming in and out of the locker room basically all pregame long we got into the stadium about an hour early so we saw all the warm-ups 
but um yeah really nice stadium um super windy that day oh my gosh it was it was unbelievable um how windy it was the crowd during the game absolutely rocking um it was it was like almost i i it was almost as loud as like texas was on the alabama game um so obviously we saw that in the game too so many offensive line false starts um in other Texas penalties that we'll get into a little bit, but I thought that the rock and stadium, obviously it, it hurt Texas uh, Saturday, but overall, I think it was an awesome experience for this young, young offense with obviously Ewers, but also the offensive line is a really young unit. So to have to battle through that, I think is going to get them prepared for uh, Kansas state. And um, I'm not sure who else they play away. Uh, Kansas, uh, I know. Yep, Kansas and K State, I think, are their last two. Yeah, so I mean, it. I think Stillwater's going to be a little bit more rocking than both those stadiums, um, maybe. But so I think that really kind of got this offense um, ready for those games and kind of gave them some experience in that way. But um, before I hit my bullet points on the actual game, I just wanted to get those out. So I'll kind of throw it to you here, and you can you can rant. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I literally just watched what I missed um, on YouTube. Shout out to uh, Nash, uh, Nash Talks Texas on YouTube. Always cuts up the game, so so you can watch mm-hmm. every play there. Um, but yeah, I just finished watching what I missed. Um, you know, it it's you know it's really really frustrating. You score uh, what do we score? Thirty one first half and only yeah. three in the second half. Obviously. That's what's lost. That's what lost us the game. I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to throw it on the defense at all. The defense played no. as well as they can against a high-powered offense, especially in the first. Um, going into halftime, we had what was that 14-point lead? It was 24-31, uh, seven-point lead. Yeah, 30. Yep, seven-point lead. Um, you know, we got to stop coming out of half too. You know, I just, I just felt really, really good about how the defense played. Um. And, you know, this is kind of how it goes, but, you know, I'm putting most of this loss on Quinn Ewers. Um, Not being able to complete passes, only completing 19 out of 49 uh, Mm -hmm. is absolutely terrible. Um, I I understand it was windy and that may have had something to do with it because Spence wasn't very accurate either um, throughout the game, but, but But he was better. (laughs) He was better considerably. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it, it was just like the receivers weren't on the same page or Quinn was overthrowing everything. It, it just looked really, really bad. Um, and then another big part of it was the penalties. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that we shouldn't have been called for all those, um, yeah. but Oklahoma State having zero penalties is insane. Um, just yeah. watching the quarter and a half um, that I missed, I, I saw a couple holds that could have been called. Um mm-hmm. The punts, I think, to end the first quarter or at the end of the first quarter, um, they ran into Trejo. It wasn't roughing the kick, roughing the kicker, but it was running it. You're not supposed to right. touch him, and they run into him. Yep. They turn his body. Um, you know that should have been a five yard penalty, and who knows? Maybe Sark goes for it there, and we we get the ball back. Um, mm-hmm. Go down the field and score. You know, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I understand State has the fewest penalties called against them. Uh, I, I think they're sitting at three penalties. 
Um, that's it's just a well-disciplined team. But having zero penalties in college football is nobody does that. That that's yeah. almost impossible. Um, I don't think you have to put the college football. Um... <laughs> football <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly any football yeah. game i think that's insane so uh it it was extremely frustrating um one big penalty that texas kind of got screwed on was um i i actually mark uh <laughs> it was two minute two minutes and 15 seconds left in the game uh quinn ewers breaks a run up the middle and he runs for about 25 yards down to yes. 35 yep christian jones with a great block i'm textbook pancake and they call holding it is yeah infuriating i i mean i i was yelling at my tv i was even at my mm-hmm. tv i was like are you kidding <laughs> it's it's insane um yeah you know and i i understand people think that the refs are against us because we're leaving the big 12 i, I don't think that's what it is i just think i don't either yeah. you know it's just bad calls bad refereeing and we've seen it in mm-hmm. years the big 12 refs are for the most part terrible uh Mm-hmm. years both ways and you know at, at that point in the game i just you can't call holding there on a pancake you you can't do that mm-hmm. um getting back to texas though i mean it, it it just seems like with quinn struggling as he did it kind of killed our momentum in the second half um we still ran the ball well not as we did in the first half obviously but mm-hmm. we were running the ball well at the end of the game there and you know, Quinn, we run a play action on first down, try to get them to bite. They don't bite to the receiver, and, you know, it's second and long. And then you can't really run there, uh, mm-hmm. another pass, and then you can't – We it's incomplete again. You can't really run again on third and ten. Uh, just getting behind the sticks there, it it really killed our momentum in the second. And, and I think that's what's, what lost us the game. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm – most of this on Quinn here, and, you know, uh, I'll throw another chunk on the penalty playing stupid football, not playing discipline, uh, jumping offside several times, uh, holdings. Uh, the, a lot of false starts, it felt yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Starts Anthony Cook trying to kill Spencer Sanders as he's sliding over the middle. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it was just a lot of dumb penalties. And, again, I'm not saying the refs have it out for Texas. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying zero, center, zero penalties against Oklahoma State. It just – match up it, it doesn't work that way um but yeah overall running backs played great um defense f- for the most part played well I, I know that's weird to hear um giving up 41 points but like i said if quinn ewers can move, move the ball and complete a few extra passes you know they're on the field less they give up less points we score more we win this game um it's that simple we played um pretty terrible offensively and we still only lost by seven points um against one of the best teams in the Big 12. So, it, yeah, that, that's kind of the bright side of, you know, what could have been if, you know, Quinn Ewers doesn't miss his passes, 30 of his 49 yeah. passes. Uh, it, it's just a game, and, and I'm tired of playing what if. I want to see results, and hopefully we see that after the bye week. Yeah, and I think that last point that you just made of uh, we only lost by um, a touchdown even though we played so badly, I think that is the most frustrating part of all of this. I don't think it's losing to Oklahoma state specifically. I think it's the way we lost. Um, Obviously our superstar quarterback playing, not, not just bad, absolutely terrible. Um, 
and the fact that we were still in the game, like you said. So yeah, I think that is the absolute most frustrating part about this whole thing. Um, just to unpack what you ranted about a little bit here. During the game, I actually didn't even realize the penalty disparity. Um, it was actually 14 um, for 119 yards Texas had. 14 penalties for 119 yards in total penalty yards. Oklahoma State, like you mentioned, had zero. Zero. That is crazy. <laughs> and, and I'll and I'll throw it I'll throw it out there. They they did have two penalties. Um mm-hmm. one was offsetting and one was holding that got declined because Spencer Sanders threw it away and it was fourth down anyways. So mm-hmm. there were two there. Yes. Yeah. The stat sheet, but I mean it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But let you continue <laughs> yeah no no i'm glad you did throw that in um because i did forget that i just i just box scored it because when you're at the game it's so hard to remember what oh, yeah. happened when so i i did box score that uh that those penalties but um yeah to your point i mean it's still it's still super frustrating and um let's just let's just unpack this offense for a little bit some notes i had Quinn was terrible, obviously, but it comes out after the game that his fingernail actually lifted up from his from his finger. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-mm. So I don't know if you've ever encountered this where like your fingernail is like falling off or anything like that. Have you ever like felt that before? I haven't and I don't want to. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I, yes. Okay. So quick little story time here. Um, for those of you who don't know, I work construction and I live in Chicago. So um, we were getting a delivery one day. I'm the young buck. Um, we're we're deli- we're getting these um, concrete pads about four foot by four foot by eight inches thick. So really heavy. Um, I couldn't even tell you how much they weighed. One, two people can't pick it up, um, but you can slide them. So we were sliding them off to get straps under them. And I smashed my pinky in between two of these um, concrete blocks. And it is below freezing. It, it might be zero degrees with the wind chill. Um, and we're unloading these things. I could not feel my pinky. I really thought I, was, I had hypothermia <laughs> or uh, frostbite, <laughs> I should say. I thought I had frostbite on my pinky. It hurt so bad. Um, weeks later, my pinky finger uh, nail finally falls off completely. Um, and I'll tell you, I, it, luckily it was my left hand. I could not use my left hand while working for a full, like two weeks until the fingernail actually fell off. That's when I could finally use it again. And even then it was a little tender. Oh, so I, it was, it was an absolutely brutal feeling. Um, I don't know if that's what Quinn is going through, but I do know it's his throwing hand pointer finger. So Anything that has to do with that specific finger and you throwing the ball, I feel like is kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> you know, and it makes sense because he looked that bad that you, that it's like he has to be injured, right? I mean, he just he just can't look this bad. Like that's yeah. that's crazy. So he said post game that it didn't affect him at all which I think you kind of have to say because I don't think you want your starting quarterback to be like my fingernail hurts. Um, that's why I didn't play well. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a terrible look, even if it's very true um, through personal experience, it could be. Um, so I, I think the bye week couldn't come in a better time here. Uh, hopefully 
if this fingernail story is at all true or if it's anywhere near what I just described, hopefully he has a week off to kind of uh, heal that up. Um, which kind of brings me to my next point, which is now I'm not too sure how to feel, but Steve Sarkeesian not benching Ewers um, during this game for Hudson Card. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that um, before I get into it. Yeah, um, I don't hate it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't feel like the offense gets much better with, with Card. Um, yeah, maybe, we... maybe Saturday you could argue it would have, though. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I try to think of it like this: when we saw Card, a lot of the missed throws that Quinn missed is what we saw from Card. Um, again, Card yeah. may go in there and, and play lockdown, and it may be you know his time to retake the starting job, um, mm-hmm. and he may play like that. Um, he does add a feature with his feet, um, which yes, play a little bit definitely on defense. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like. Sark is trusting Quinn. He wants him to mm-hmm. get adversity and find out what he's made of. Um, yeah. I, I will add, um, I forgot to mention it in my rant, but he was leading a game-winning drive or a game-tying drive at the end of the game. That yes. last pick, not on him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It, it, yep. it hit JT right in the hands and mm-hmm. bounces to the safety for an interception. Um, mm-hmm. If JT catches that, we have the ball at like the 20 or 15 with seconds left. We can go up there and spike it. We have two shots to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, shots with Quinn, I, I trust. You know, yeah. he looked he looked bad. He looked bad all through the game, but I, I still trust him to score a touchdown with ten seconds left. That's how much trust I have in Quinn because he is that spectacular of a player. Um, you know, he he was playing well in the last drive. I I don't know. I don't. I just don't know if they respect the run or the pass enough. It put hard in there. Um, I think they stacked the line and we're not able to run the ball and that puts us behind the sticks even more and forces us to throw the ball um, mm-hmm. like we saw with Quinn. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it gives us a better chance, um, but, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Card in there, we win the game. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, I completely agree with you. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian should have taken Quinn out at all. Uh, I know it was something that, kind of Longhorn Twitter and Facebook were kind of clamoring about though. Like you have the best um, second string quarterback in, in the NCAA probably, or one of them, if not, um, which is probably true, but Steve Sarkeesian was a quarterback himself. He kind of knows, um, you know, how the mental aspect of that is. You can't just keep pulling and flipping between Quinn and card and, you want to have your guy. And if Quinn yep. isn't hurt, you have to leave him in the game. He's too young not to. If um, Now, if it's the other way around, where you think Card is, um, you know, the next guy up, then maybe you do do the switch and Quinn is your starter from here on out. But you can't, you can't go back from the guy who's going to be your starter for the next couple of years and put in, um, you know, your backup just, just because he's playing bad. Um, yep. and I think the only thing is we talk about this fingernail injury, maybe that would give Sark that little bit of leeway where you could say, Hey, Quinn was dealing with a finger thing and it ended up being a lot worse than he let on. And we saw that during the game. So that's the only kind of leeway I'd give that argument on putting Hudson card in is, mm-hmm. um, 
that Quinn might have actually been hurt. And then you, you kind of just, you have to take him out. Um, one, protect him from himself, even though that's something that's more pain management than it is, you know, you have a broken finger nail, you're not going to re-injure it any more or less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. And then you mentioned this as well. Uh, Jatavian Sanders played well all game long, but ugh, that last drop was the 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 last nail in the coffin. You know, um, yeah. the whole loss obviously isn't on Sanders, but that pick is not on Quinn at all. Um, back with the JT Sanders drop, the entire receiving core was not good. Um, Jordan Whittington, I I need to rewatch it um, with the coach's film, but. He, I did he have maybe one catch and it was in the fourth quarter on that last drive? Is that all he had? Um, uh, yes, he had one catch for twenty three yards. So yeah, yes, yeah, that is crazy. And maybe that's just you know Quinn not being able to find him or whatnot. But another one, Xavier Worthy, wide receiver one, um, maybe one of the best college wide receivers yesterday. And this was a little bit of a problem all year long. Is he's having trouble tracking the football down the field. Um, He is like, and you cannot be an elite deep threat and not be able to track the football down the field. And now a little bit of revisionist history here, but I feel like Hudson card might've missed him a little less times than we thought. And I just think X doesn't have that elite um, next gear as, as a deep threat, you know, like, you watch Tyreek Hill catch a pass from Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill might be so fast that he doesn't do it as often. That might've been a bad example, but they, the, these receivers, they'll be in line with the DB and then all of a sudden they'll pull ahead by like two or three yards, just yeah. gaining that extra gear. And I just feel like X just has not done that this year um, at all. If he's been open, he's been open but he's never had that extra gear to kind of um, let the ball go right in his, in his bucket there. I don't know. Um, I would have to look more into that and see if that's a real problem, but it was absolutely a problem Saturday. Um, he just could not track the ball well. There was a couple throws where I was frustrated. Ewers finally made a nice pass, and uh, X just couldn't find it um, fast enough. So, yeah, yeah um, I think- overall, I don't think any of the receivers did him a – did him any favors as well. Sorry, go on. No, no. I I, th- I think the one you're talking about is uh, that corner route where yes, it's just like he he drifts inside and the ball's on mm-hmm. the outside, easy touchdown, and he just mm-hmm. misses the ball. It it, yeah. it was so frustrating watching on TV. I, I bet it was frustrating watching it there too. But mm-hmm. but man, and, and what you're talking about with you know you're you're running full speed with the DB, you're kind of paid. Mm-hmm. For- but when the ball's in the air, you just you put it into you, that six gear right. kind of thing and you take off yes. and you yes. gain that little bit of a release there and it makes the catches easier and you can even mm-hmm. um, kind of box them out for the ball. Right. But yeah, I, I agree. Xavier, um, he hasn't looked as good as he did last year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's very clear. Again, he's still playing really football. I, I mean, yes, yes. These are, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's not playing bad. He, he still leads our team in um, receptions and yards and touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's not like he's playing bad. It's just 
man, it, it, he he could be so much better if he could just yeah track down the ball like you said. It, it's kind of like an outfielder in baseball. You know, if you can't the balls, you're not going to make it very far. Um, you can yes. make diving catches and you can you can make uh, flashy catches up against the wall, but if you can't ca- catch a, a basic fly ball, you know you're not going to make it out of high school or even junior high, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of what X is doing. You know, he, he's making the flashy plays. He's diving, making diving catches. Um, he'll mm-hmm. go up and get the ball. Um, like we saw against Westward. He's a really good route. route. Yeah, yeah. He runs that exactly. whip route and the guy get or Iowa state's already he loses the DB um, mm-hmm. for the game winning touchdown. Uh, that's what we love to see, but right. he's just got to refine the rest of his game where, you know, he turns into a, potentially top 15 top 10 pick in the draft right now you know he's a really good wide receiver but I don't know if he's day one um just because of the mistakes we've seen this year and you know that that kind of goes back on Brendan Marion and you know Mm -hmm. hopefully um we can fight through that and next year we still have one more year of Xavier Worthy next hopefully he looks lights out and he earns that kind of paycheck in the draft yeah and you bring up Brendan Marion um you know he leads the NCAA um, as a receiver in receiving yards per catch. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he was an elite deep threat there um, in uh, Gus Milzahn's offense. And uh, I just lost the name of the school. That was Tulsa, oh, right? That's, yes, thank you, Tulsa. <laughs> wow, and I was just there. Just Jeez, there. What is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, oh my God. That was crazy of me. And I just did a full article, 3,000 words on the guy. <laughs> remember at school. But um yeah, no, he leads the NCAA history in uh yards per reception. Um so if anybody knows anything about the deep ball, it's Brendan Marion. So yeah. I do think that X could and maybe maybe I'm just over exaggerating too. Like I said, maybe if I go back and I I, I realize that I'm over exaggerating here, but that's just something I noticed Saturday it for sure was true and it kind of makes my mind go back in time and be like maybe maybe this is an ongoing problem maybe i'm just noticing it because it was so obvious on that on that corner route and there was a couple other ones where it was kind of obvious that x just wasn't really finding the ball well but um like you said still really great player not sure if he's day one right now with that uh you know with his his unrefined uh deep ball threat but um to carry on now um something else that i had is not only was yours missing the ball down the field but he was missing throws in the flat to yeah. uh sark, yeah. yeah sark likes doing those things where it's kind of an extension of the run game and he'll have keelan robinson jordan whittington go in motion um and kind of attach an inside zone run play to it. And then if it's, if the run isn't there, Ewers will just flick it out to that guy on the swing pass. And it'll just be like a little bit of a, of a swing screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually gains, you know, at worst like three yards or two yards, but at best it'll gain five or six. It's basically an extension of the run game. Like I said, and he couldn't even find those, which those are supposed to be gimmies for the quarterback that is that is Sark giving uh Quinn an easy throw to get kind of his momentum back yeah and when you're missing those you're just killing the offense um one of those plays which it wasn't actually that play specifically but 
at the end of the game, um, second to last drive, there was a pick six that Quinn tried to throw to Roshan Johnson, and he just oh, didn't turn around. Yeah, and um, and it was it was it should have been a pick six. Luckily, Texas had a false start on the play, so they actually got the ball back. Um, it ended up not mattering. That was that was the same drive as the Quinn Ewers run that got called back from holding, I believe. So um, didn't he throw an uh, an interception on that next play to Bijan? Wasn't that the wheel rail on the sideline? So you might I can't be remember. Right. <laughs> um, so that that was on fourth down though that that interception uh, to Bijan. Yeah, because that was, was on fourth down because it, it honestly I, I I turned to my wife I was like honestly like that could have been a lot worse because if he drops it. <laughs> they're Oklahoma state's way. Closer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but either way, Texas needed to stop and they got it, blah, blah, blah. But I think that was uh fourth down because I, I do remember turning my wife and saying that, but uh, either way, it was definitely that drive. Uh, I don't know if the mm-hmm. pick six happened on, on third or fourth down, but overall that was just a terrible play. But um, you know, yours kind of got bailed out there. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That's game. If, if he has that pick, pick six, that's game. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The The whole offense just was bad. And I know Sark should have uh, leaned on the run game a little bit more than he did. But to Sark's, uh, you know, to go to bat for Sark for a little bit, you can't really just run the ball because Oklahoma State was stopping them at times. Um, yeah. You know, Bijan would, would get – I think they averaged – they had a pretty good average, but there were times where – they would just get stood up right at the line of scrimmage. Um, and then you're behind the sticks. Now you can't throw it again. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, you can't run it uh, again on, on third and seven or something like that. Like, that's just – that's that's not good football. Um, yeah. So you, you can't blame Sark for that. Oklahoma State's defense is pretty good. You have to keep it somewhat balanced, even if your superstar quarterback doesn't have his stuff. So – yeah, and like you said, with our our running backs or in the running game, we average six point four yards per carry. That's really good. Um, but if you think about it, uh, <laughs> we had Bijan had a forty two yard run, Brochon had a fifty two yard run, so yeah, ninety four of, of those, explosive plays. Yeah, ninety four of those two hundred and four yards were in two plays. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of exaggerates that average a little bit. But but yes. that's kind of where you want to be sitting is uh, around five, if not over five, and that's what mm-hmm. we've been doing all year long. Um, I, I I don't know. I just feel like with Quinn struggling, um, you know, we have the lead. We're up by ten points, fourteen points at one point in the second half. Mm-hmm. I feel like we just need to line up, have Andre Carrick in there at tight end, um, and just yeah. pound it down their throat as much as we can because the run game was working in the first half. Um, yeah. obviously they, they played it a lot better in the second half, but, but I don't know. I, I just feel like if we run the ball a little bit more, uh, Bijan only getting 20 to run game. Um, I, I think that should have been closer to 30 or even yeah. 35. Yeah. No, it, it yeah. may be. Um, but you know, it, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty. You can always say, well, if we did this, maybe the game ends differently. Um, mm-hmm. you know, overall, if, if we cut out the penalties, cut those in half, I, this game, um, if when yeah, if you if, yeah, <laughs> when completes five to seven more passes, I think we win this game. Just it, 
mm-hmm. there's a lot of what ifs. And, and yeah. like I said, I'm I'm tired. Of I'm just ready yeah, for us to, right. to show it and play a complete game. And you know, hope can do that um, to finish out the season. You know, um, going to K State, uh, home against TCU, who's looked really really good this year. Yeah, and then at Kansas, home against Baylor. So I mean, you know, worst case scenario, one and three to end the season. Uh, best case, we win out. You know, I I really think we can win out because, like I said, we played terrible, terribly offensively. We had a bunch of penalties to zero on their end, and we only lost by seven points. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of finding hope in a negative time, and, and that's kind yeah. of what I'm trying to do because I I really do think we can win out. Um, K State's banged up at quarterback. Um, they were down to their third string TCU. Um, and, and, you know, we get TCU at home, luckily, because going to Fort Worth and playing them is always tough. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we can make a run here, win out and potentially have a um, championship game appearance, but you know, there, there's going to be a lot of things that have to fall our way for that to happen. Yeah. So, um, I'll just, I'm just going to hit the, uh, the running the ball more one, just one more time. Another thing is I think you could run the ball more um, and be okay with it if your offensive line is at an elite level, which I don't think Texas is at right now. So, I, I, I again, I don't totally blame Sark. I get what you're saying, and I, and I do mm-hmm. agree with it, where you do want to see Bijan and even Roshan touch the ball more, even Keelan Robinson, because he's so explosive. Yeah. Um, you want to see him touch the ball more. But um, – I get where Sark's coming from, where you don't have an elite run blocking offensive line. You just don't. Um, they're playing a lot better, but um, without that kind of uh, floor, the offensive line provides a floor is a good way to put it um, in the run game. And the running backs are the ceiling. So if you have a great offensive line in Bijan, you're going to have a high floor and a high ceiling. But with Bijan in this offensive line, which sometimes struggles in the run game, you have a low floor where you Bijan fights to get to the line of scrimmage at times. And I think all Texas fans see that. So without that high floor, I don't totally blame Sark. Like I said, um, for not totally leaning on the run game, because at some point Oklahoma state and that defense is good enough to where they're going to, they're going to stop Texas and it's going to look really bad. So I think you, I, I don't know. I just don't totally blame Sark for that. And I just wanted to, kind of put that kind of in perspective in that way with the offensive line, just not being at an elite level. So the running game just has a really a lot lower floor than you see the past Alabama teams do and, and uh, et cetera, you know? Yeah. And, and I would even add, you know, um, it, it's hard to run the ball when, when they're not going to respect the pass, mm-hmm. um, especially, especially the way Quinn played yesterday. I think at, going into the second half, they, they knew, you know he he's not playing too great. Let's let's see if we can stack the line and make him. And they did. He, yeah. he threw the ball forty nine times, um, <laughs> yeah. and you know work out. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's a great um, halftime adjustment by them, and and it worked out obviously with him with him uh, coming away with the win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like we talked a lot about the offense, but we only really said that it's not really the defense's fault. So I just want to kind of highlight the defense a little bit and I know we got time because next week is Texas bye week so um obviously we have nothing to preview 
So I <laughs> yeah. feel like we can kind of deep dive this a little bit more. But um, some notes I have is a ton of injuries in the secondary, man. Um, is it Taffy? Is that is that how you say his name? I think it's Taff. 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 So he was getting a ton of reps at the end of the game. And at one of them, um, after the explosive play, I think it was um, right before the touchdown that they had, um, Oklahoma State had to uh, put them up. But right before that, um, Taft got absolutely uh, in a spin cycle. And John A. Barron just laid into him. And, you know, you could tell that Taft knew that he was wrong. And he kind of um, perked up after that. And he played decently well. But it's just tough to see a walk-on um, get that many reps because you have three basically starters out in uh, Gilbo was hurt, Ryan Watts and Anthony Cook, I believe, were the three guys that just didn't play at the end of the game. And I didn't see any injury updates. I don't know if you have those handy or if you know on the um, top of your dome. I, listening to the presser from Saturday night, Dave Sark mm-hmm. said Anthony Cook broke his arm. Oh. Uh, uh, Cook, or, get of Ryan Watts. It just looked like he was cramping up. Like he started cramping up in the first half uh, because he would mm-hmm. run out there, and then one time he lipped to the uh, sideline and he was just grabbing the back of his leg like he was cramping up again, um, mm-hmm. which, which is never great to see because it, if you played sports at all, you know once you start cramping, it's very hard to it, stop. It. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know he wasn't going to do much good out there, and then um, I, I I don't know about Gilbo. Um, I. I heard or read anything about him so but i'm i'm pretty sure um cook broke it but sark said yeah that's that's tough to see especially um we talked about it last week actually with seeing um taff and jet bush out there a lot is texas's uh second level is just second level includes the linebackers in this with the Mm -hmm. secondary but they just they're rail thin right now um and I talk about it a lot, but I just want to see Texas attack DBs a lot in this recruiting cycle. And obviously we already have uh, a couple. Um, I don't have them pulled up right now, but we already have a couple, but I just want to see them stack that room up. Um, there are a lot of guys who can play safety, can play corner. Um, that slot position is kind of a mixture of both. So, um, you know, I just want to see Texas get more bodies in there um, yeah um and sorry, just on. just an update on cook real quick i i looked it up just to verify myself he does have a broken arm um mm-hmm. but it's cedric golden um he's he covers texas and um says it sounds like cook may try to play through the injury so i don't think it's a really broken arm it may just be like a um, small fracture or something like that but like he may try to play through that um the rest of this year, and that was seven hours ago from Cedric wow. Golden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I talked about my pinky injury, and I, I thought about taking off the week of work, <laughs> playing through a broken arm. Wow. What a, what a guy. That is incredible to hear. Um, and yeah, I mean, Keaton Crawford is, is good. Um, I honestly, um, a name that we haven't heard or seen a lot of, and maybe you have more insight than I do, but JD Coffey just has, has not seen the field at all for being a pretty highly touted guy. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why he's on the not on the field. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know. And I, I don't know if yeah. he's been banged up or, or if um, – like I said, I just don't know. So I don't I want to speak out his turn here. But um, yeah. that's a guy that I was pretty coming into the season. Um, I thought he, he probably right. wouldn't start, but he would probably play a significant um, mm-hmm. backup role. And like, like you said, we just haven't seen much of him. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like that Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson are kind of going to be the two starting safeties for a little bit now um, mm-hmm. if if Cook isn't good to go. Um, so just look out for that. But, um, yeah, getting back on track here, um, something that I noticed on this defense was they had about 1,000 dropped interceptions from Spencer oh, Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's something I thought we had to get over. They really, in actuality, probably had seriously like four to five, though. Um, yeah. they There was a lot of um, meat on the bone for turnovers there. And I mentioned that maybe uh, with you on last week's pod, but I definitely mentioned it in my betting podcast on Friday. Um, that I just think Spencer Sanders is prone to turning the ball over against good teams, against good defenses. Um, I think he can turn the ball over, and he showed it against Texas. They just did not um, finish for one reason or another. I mean, they weren't all just straight to their hands, and they dropped it. But mm-hmm. they had interception opportunities, and they they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't execute those. Yeah, and, and not. The fumble as well, where the ball just gets yes. ripped out, thrown across the field, and you know Spencer Sanders comes flying in to, to dive on it. Um, right. You know there there were a lot of opportunities, and you know it's it just seemed like the ball was far away uh, Saturday, and again yeah. we only lost by seven. One of the mm-hmm. best teams in the Big Twelve. That I, I'm trying to I'm trying to give people hope out there that you know it's oh not there like, absolutely is hope. Yeah, it, it's not that we got blown out. And, you know, it, it's not even close that we got blown out. We had the lead. Um, we had a chance to win it there, if not for the, the drop um, by JT at the end of the game. But, but mm. man, this team has potential. <laughs> we played terrible. Um, a lot of penalties. They had no penalties. Quinn missed 30 throws. I mean, and we still only lost by seven. There's <laughs> so yeah. much to believe in for this team. And, you know, I, I still believe we can win out. Um, like I said, to get to the Big 12 championship game, uh, a few things are going to have to fall our way. Um, probably two more losses from Oklahoma State or from TCU, and, and I don't see TCU uh, – or sorry, two losses from TCU, and I don't see um, TCU losing two more games. Uh, they will hopefully lose one against us, but um, yeah. I don't know if they're going to lose a second one. Um, so, you know, a few things have to go our way uh, for us to get there, and let's see. We, we still kind of uh, – we still kind of have a chance, but it's going to be a lot tougher than it was um, before the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, and I think um, I think a three-way tie of some sort would be basically Texas's only, or maybe just best shot. Um, with Oklahoma State already having one, so they would need one more conference loss, mm-hmm. um, and TCU would need one other than the Texas one, and then. That puts them in a little dirty three-way tie between TCU and Oklahoma State, where they beat TCU, but they lose to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State loses to TCU. I don't know how that would work out, but I feel <laughs> like that's Texas's only chance at a Big 12 title. You know, TCU's schedule, end of the season, um, West Virginia, that should be a win. 
Um, Texas mm-hmm. Tech, that should be a win. Um, at Texas, at Baylor, and then home against Iowa State. So kind of those last three games is maybe where they can get caught up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just feel like TCU, it, it looks really good that they're going to win out. And, you know, if they do win out, um, well, I I hope they don't Texas has a good chance to beat them. But if they yeah. do win out, I think they have a good shot of making the college football playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you said, they've, they've – They've really looked good all year long. So, so something that I should mention actually though is TCU has has had a little bit of a lucky schedule here. Um, I don't know if you've seen this or are aware of this, but they played, they knocked out Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's starting quarterback. Um, they knocked out Kansas's starting quarterback. Oklahoma State uh, apparently Spencer Sanders was dealing with an injury, but we can that can be negligible because he hasn't missed a game yet. In Kansas State, they knocked out two of their two of their quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they've gone against in their Big Twelve play. They've gone against one, two, um, three out of four of their Big Twelve play have had backup or third string quarterbacks go against them. So, yeah, I mean, I, TCU is good. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think a lot of luck has to do with that too. So, and. I, I would love nothing more for them to lose at West Virginia um, this Saturday. That would be hilarious in my in my mind. Uh, yes, um, but uh, West Virginia is so bad. <laughs> yeah. West Virginia is so bad. I, I just don't see it happening at at all. And uh, I I don't know. I I can't get a read on Baylor absolutely at all because they <laughs> lose to West Virginia and then they beat Kansas by twelve. And I I bet Kansas plus ten uh, this weekend. Uh, uh, something else um talk about kicking a guy when he's down um walking out of the texas uh, walking out of the texas game um i just checked my bets i go one for eight on my oh bets man on saturday jeez <laughs> i know it was it was absolutely brutal so i had a bad saturday financially emotionally um, <laughs> It was just not good. But, yeah, I just can't get a read on Baylor. Texas Tech actually looks pretty good now with uh, – uh, I think his, I think you pronounce his name Baron Morton. Um, he might be a true freshman or a redshirt freshman quarterback. He is he is absolutely lighting it up for Texas Tech. He's throwing it about 60 times a game, tossing it around. It's crazy. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I will go to the KU um... – uh, like like we said, Jaden, um, God, what was his name? Jaden, um, Jalen Daniels. Daniels. Jalen yeah. Daniels. Jaden. Don't disrespect oh, my Heisman right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Jalen Daniels. Um, losing him was huge. They they've lost the last yeah. three games um, since he's been gone, and you know yeah. I could honestly see them losing out because they have Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, Texas Tech, us, and then K State. Um, right. So I mean, he was a huge part of that offense. Um, so yeah, I. I, I don't know how good they are. Like that's another team where I don't know how good they are yet because it, they they have their backup and and it's kind of tricky. They played some decent teams and lost to three decent teams. So um, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I don't I don't really know what Baylor is and I don't really know what KU is uh, without Jalen Daniels either. So it it's kind of a confusing time right now. Yeah, and I agree completely. It's kind of tough to get a read on Kansas. I know. Lance Leipold is a really, really yes. dang good coach. Yes. And I hope that he goes to Nebraska because I don't want to deal with him for another couple <laughs> seasons. 
But um, I think what he's doing at Kansas is awesome. But they only need one more win to make a bowl game. Um, and if you said that in the beginning of the year, you'd be like, damn, like Kansas had a great year. But the way it's happened, it's like, uh, like they're only going to make yeah. six wins. Like it, it's just a crazy 180 from, from how they started to, or from their expectations to where they're at now. It just seems so disappointing, even though it objectively a great year for Kansas Jayhawks football. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. Um, if, if they have Jalen Daniels, I, I could see them still being undefeated to this. Oh, um, I yeah, they they sure. lost to TCU by by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to Oklahoma by ten points, and then like you yeah. said, Baylor by um, what is that twelve there? Twelve. Um, so yeah, it, it it's kind of conf- know where they're at. Um, I, I feel the same way with K State. You know, coming out of a bye, um, they have Oklahoma State this weekend, and they play us. Yeah, I, I, are they are they going to be healthy at quarterback in two weeks? You know, who are, are we going to see? Yeah. Adrian Martinez? Are we going to see um, Will Howard? Uh, it, it's just really, really confusing yeah. there as well. Um, it, hopefully, we get healthy over this over this bye week um, because yeah. you know it's been a long what is it eight weeks now um, since the mm-hmm. season began. Um, so yeah, we need to get healthy and, and uh, get back to things, and hopefully we can finish out this season strong, unlike we did um, last year. Yeah, and um, you mentioned uh, Kansas State's quarterback dilemma. I am not gonna lie; I don't know what would be better for Texas because Will Howard played really. He looked well. really good. Yes, yes, <laughs> he played really well against TCU, and then they knocked him out, and then you know he came back, but. Um, the little bit that I saw is when he first came in there, Kansas State's offense turned into a uh, um, complementary offense where they could pass the ball and and run the ball. Yeah. Um, with Adrian Martinez, it's super run centric. Um, so I honestly I don't know what I'd rather have because Texas is a really good run defense. We talk about it every week, um, and Texas has a good defense in general. So I'm not super scared about Will Howard. Don't get me wrong. But um, I don't know. I think Will Howard might be like a little bit of an upgrade over Adrian Martinez, even if oh, they're yeah. about the same. If you're if you're looking at it like Madden's ratings or something, like they're probably about equal. But the stuff Will Howard does well um, kind of complements Kansas State's football team um, a little bit better than Adrian Martinez just kind of doubling up as a elite. Eh, elite's a strong word. A really good <laughs> running threat, you know. Yeah, yeah, so. and you know, I, I kind of, I, I don't think Adrian Martinez is that great of a passer. Um, no, no. You know, at his, at his time in Nebraska, he threw thirty interceptions <laughs> in four yeah. years, and he hasn't thrown one uh, yet this year, which was really surprising to me. Um, but you look at it, and he has one hundred and forty attempts. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Quinn threw for a third of his attempts this weekend. Um, so you know, it, it's kind of it, I. I think they're trying to protect him and and play to their strength, which is, um, you know, giving the ball to Deuce Vaughn and letting him squirm around mm-hmm. those big offensive linemen, and and it's worked for yeah. him. Um, yeah. but yeah, I I think Will Howard's a better quarterback. I I really don't know why they're playing Martinez over him, in my opinion. Yeah, and this that. They might have been doing it because Martinez just kind of had the job, and it's kind of hard to unseat a guy that that's winning. And Kansas State 
going in was five and one. So yeah. Yeah. um then their only loss I'm looking at it now. Oh yeah, that two lane loss. That was that was a weird That game. was ugly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was yeah. So I I get it, but now I feel like uh Adrian Martinez is a little bit on the hot seat here with uh Will Howard playing well last week. Um so yeah, I don't know. Um I think it's gonna be interesting going forward with this Texas team. Like like we keep saying I think they have a shot at the Big 12 championship, and I really, really hope they make it, obviously. But um, TCU is going to have to drop one, and they almost did last week against Kansas State. They just have to find um, – they just need to drop one more other than Texas. And maybe it's that Tech game, but they're at home for that. Um, just looking at the schedule at Baylor um, in Week 12. Yeah, like that could be a tough a one. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Baylor's another, it's dude, it's hard to get. Oh, we talked about Baylor, not, not really having a read on that. <laughs> yeah. They're losing to West Virginia, but yeah, I don't know. The, the big 12 is a little, uh, a little weird this year. So. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a couple things to fall our way, but I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of, again, kind of control our own destiny. Um, we need to win out that that's step number one. Um, yeah. step number two is we need TCU to lose another game outside of our game. And then mm-hmm. potentially step three is we need Oklahoma state to drop two. Um, yeah. and I, yeah, I just we don't, don't see that happening. We don't want the three-way tie because no. I don't know how that works. I, I, I truly, I, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Well, we, we should have TCU loses one other than triangle. us. It should be, we have the bonus over them so we should get a, get in but i i again i don't know but then they works. have it over oklahoma state because they beat them straight up and oklahoma has it over us because yeah they, they beat us straight up so <laughs> yeah i don't know i i really don't that would texas be a mess might, yeah <laughs> texas might be the one sol because they have a non-con loss and that might be the tiebreaker even though it's alabama um, and while Oklahoma State's playing Central Michigan, Arizona, and Arkansas Pine Bluff, but you know, <laughs> maybe it'll go to uh, strength of schedule. That that would probably help us out a lot. That would help us out a lot. And if it went by some sort of full team analytics, Texas, I think, <laughs> would vote race them because yeah, um, it, all the computer models have them as is one of the best teams. Uh, while we're on that point, actually, PFF has Texas as a top. 15 defense um on the season which i was really surprised about but i guess there's a way to explain that away yeah i mean uh coming into this game we were holding teams to 18 points a game um yeah which which is really really good um and you know i i don't know if we could hold Oklahoma state to 18 points or even under 20 um mm-hmm. but obviously the offense not getting into a rhythm in the second half you know, help them score more. So again, I'm throwing back on the offense of we got to sustain drives. We got to help the defense out. We can't go three and out and right back out on the field um, because the defense was holding up fairly well. There was several right. three and outs from Oklahoma state. Um, you know, we throws the first interception and they only get a field goal out of that. Our defense kind of holds strong. You know, it, <laughs> the offense isn't helping the defense at all. And um, you know, again, I, I throw that back on the offense and, and who's running the offense that that's Quinn Ewers back there who mm-hmm. was 30 throws on Saturday. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like our defense do well again, 
you're going to look at the scoreboard and say giving up 41 points is a well. But if you look at everything else around it, if you have context, you know, I, I think our defense played really well um, with what they were given on Saturday. Yeah, and I agree completely. I think another thing that helps Texas's case with PFF is they really care more about pressures than they do sacks, I, I feel like. Maybe not more, but um, Texas does a great job at pressuring the quarterback. The problem is they just can never finish them with, with yeah, sacks. Yeah. So I feel like they grade well in that pass rush um, stat, but it doesn't really translate to on the field as well because – a lot of these times the quarterback is scrambling out and actually getting yardage running the ball or, um, you know, getting it off and living to see another down um, in not negative territory. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of is working in Texas's favor also. Um, we actually are running a little bit long here for it only being one game, but I also <laughs> yeah. just want to, I want to throw in here that, Texas just missed the AP top 25. Uh, they're number 26 with 38 votes to get in. Um, honestly, I get it. Texas lost. They they have three losses. There's no other team with three losses in the poll. But to have South Carolina over Texas at number 25 is crazy to me. I think that is the definition of SEC bias because I think South Carolina stinks even though they just beat um, Texas A&M, I, I still think that they're uh, not that good of a football team and definitely not as good as Texas. Yeah, I agree. I was, I looked at it this morning. I, I didn't get a chance to look at it um, Sunday, but I was mm-hmm. very, very surprised. Um, I, don't, I don't understand how we're not ranked. It, it feels like we were sitting at 20. Um, we dropped six spots. Uh we we lost to the number eleven team by a touchdown, and we led basically the almost the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just don't know. I I think that's dumb. Again, it doesn't really matter. Um, if we went out and we play football how we're supposed to play football, um, right? The, the it'll, voters, it'll even out. yeah, it'll fix itself. Um, yeah. but yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to see uh Texas even start out in the top twenty five or the college football playoff rankings. Um. Uh. You know, I we just have to do our job, and the rankings will will worry about themselves. Obviously, we're out of that college football playoff race unless God knows what happens and, and teams absolutely yeah. fall apart down the street. Don't even get me started. Which I don't even get me started. But but uh, but yeah, I, I think we at least deserve to be in the top twenty-five, and and um, I, I'm not mad about it. I I just think it's kind of annoying to see some of those teams above us, um, like a like you mentioned, South Carolina, even a Tulane up there. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of annoying, but it, it doesn't really mean that much in the long run, so I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, no, you're right about that. It's more so just like pointing out that AP top 25 voters are just – you don't really have to pay a lot of mind to a lot of them because they're all they're doing is – moving teams up and down. They're not really looking at how a team actually played. Oh, you lost. You're going to be moved down slash out. And this team won against another SEC school. So they're going to move up, even though Texas A&M objectively stinks too. They're three <laughs> and four on the year. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Yeah, that's, again, Texas A&M, man, oh, man. 
they yeah. dug the, they dug themselves a hole with with that contract extension. Yeah, <laughs> but but I but so I love it. Debt. But yeah. I love it. I I think his buyout is like ninety four million buyout this year, and yeah, I I just don't see him doing that. Uh, so they're kind of stuck with Jimbo for the next few years, and and, and I'm all for it, man. Again, please. Now, can I pose a hypothetical to you? If oh. Jimbo Fisher did get bought out, what school do you think would actually like hire him? Um, like job openings right now: Arizona State, Nebraska. Um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on any other good ones. Uh, I think Wisconsin's open. I think Wisconsin. Yes. So I, those or any other school, really, do, where do you think Jimbo would even line up? Like, do you think Nebraska even like offers a Jimbo Fisher? I think that would be a great landing spot for him. Honestly, that's really? his style of play. The old, yeah, old school Big Ten football defense, yeah. running the ball. That's kind of his style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to compete with Ohio State or Michigan. He's just going to mm-hmm. win the West every year. But yeah. uh, but he's gonna get blown out in the in the championship game year after year, and and they're they're gonna love it. Uh, they're, they're gonna love it because they're back on top of at least their division. Um, but I don't think they're dumb enough to to give him a contract like uh Texas A&M did because good God, how how do you uh, how do you sign a coach to a ten year extension worth ninety plus yeah. million dollars? After doing going nothing. eight and four, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh I, I just don't get it. It's it, it, it's hilarious. I love it. I hate Texas A and M so much. So, like I said, if they keep offering him extensions, you know, please, please do. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. it's hilarious to me. It it really is. Yeah, I think that is a great point with uh, the style playing the Big Ten West and Jimbo Fisher's offense, but. Man, I, I think if you're in Nebraska, you, you almost would rather a Lance Leipold. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that that's uh, – I mean, obviously maybe it's a little biased just like naturally, but I honestly think like Leipold has done a better job at Kansas than Jimbo Fisher has done at Texas A&M, um, including obviously resources, program, program history, and all that stuff. I, I think Leipold's way more impressive yeah, and, and he's done a lot more with with a lot, a lot less. <laughs> um, right, that's what I'm getting at. Yes, yeah, exactly. If if Leipold had those recruiting classes, I mean, mm-hmm. I think Kansas would be running the, the Big Twelve right now, and it wouldn't <laughs> be close because yeah, I mean, Jimbo signed a uh, historic class last year, and Evan Stewart is so good. I, I was watching him uh, in the Alabama game, and and he is so good. But it's mm-hmm. it's just like he's being wasted because he's in Jimbo's run heavy offense. You know, we're gonna get mm-hmm. an eye form and we're gonna pound the ball down your throat and go three now and punt it, and we're gonna keep doing that all game long. It, it's it's really frustrating to see uh, a player like Evan Stewart just just not be involved in the offense, and it's frustrating. You know, I I hate Texas A and M. I love Evan Stewart though. I, I think he's a yeah player, and I think he's gonna be a really good NFL player one day. But but yeah. man, that that offense is just killing his stock, and it's really sad to see. Yeah, and I think a lot of Texas fans are salty at Evan Stewart for you know playing games. Uh, I he decommitted, right? Yeah. So yeah. committing, decommitting, then committing to Texas A&M, and but honestly, I think uh, I think these are 
you know, high school kids and you can't get worked up about high school kids making decisions for the rest of their lives. I, I think we kind of preach that a lot during the recruiting cycle. So um, I agree with you. I think Evan Stewart's awesome. And uh, it's, I really hope that either he transfers or maybe, and I hope this doesn't happen, but Jimbo Fisher seeds his, his uh, offensive play calling and kind of gets a real play caller in there. Um, but yeah, hopefully we see Evan Stewart kind of explode here because I think he's going to be absolutely awesome if uh, yeah. he gets totally unleashed on in a good offense, offensive yeah. scheme. Yeah. And well, like you said, it, it's once Jimbo hands over the keys to the offense, I mean, they're, they're going to be almost in, unstoppable in the SEC. They have a fantastic defense. Um, mm-hmm. Texas A&M that is and, and they yeah. have really good offensive weapons as well it's just Jimbo runs his early 2000s offense and he mm-hmm. refuses to change um, one thing I could see because um, remember Herman's last year he kind of hired an OC to call the plays but really give it up he he kind of had his yes. hand in the pot still I, yep. I could see very well happening with Jimbo just because oh I want I want a national championship I know just that ego, mm-hmm. and, you know, it may be the death of him at, at Texas A&M. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that that's not just a Herman problem or a Jimbo problem. I think that's a ton of yeah. uh, head coaches in the NFL, in NCAA. I think these guys, they just – they can't, like, see past um, how great they are or their own egos, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. And they just think they know it all and they don't realize that the best coaches do. Um, like I think John Harbaugh is a great example and um, just finding guys that know what to do well and just have them do that and don't really um, intervene too much. But I think guys like Jimbo and Tom Herman, they just can't think that way. They just don't think that way. They think that their way is the best way. Yeah, if if your head coach thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, you know it's probably not going to end up well, um, coaching wise at right. least. Um, I, I think that's why Saban had such a good job because he was stuck in that same offense pull. in the early yeah. 2010s. Mm-hmm. He was pound the rock. It was Jimbo's offense basically. They didn't have mm-hmm. a quarterback who could throw the ball for 300 yards a game, but they ran the ball over and over, and they were really good at it. Yeah. And, um, you know, here comes an LSU team who kind of slings it around. Here comes an Ole Miss and Auburn who kind of slings it around, and they're getting beat. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're still making it to the national championship game with one loss, but something clicks in Saban's head, and he goes to that high-powered offensive coordinator, and Higher now they're lane. the juggernaut. Yeah. yeah, now they're the juggernaut they are now. Mm-hmm. So you you got to be able to adjust and and trust other people around, um, and and that's why Saban is such a great coach, is because he his coaches he lets them run their offense because that's what works in Oshawa today and you know it's worked for him uh, obviously but but uh yeah I I just don't think Jimbo is gonna follow suit and, and trust an offense coordinator with his offense yeah no I agree completely um all right uh do you have any parting shots here or are you ready to get out of here or no, no, I, I don't think I don't think I have anything else uh, for you guys. Yeah, I think we kind of unloaded the clip here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, as a little teaser, um, next week Wednesday, we should have 
Daniel Trejo, Texas starting punter, back on. So um, we haven't done the interview yet, but I think we're going to do it, and it'll be released next Wednesday on top of our normal pod. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be another fun one. Um, he had a, by the way, he had a spectacular punt. Set. I mean, yes. it went out of bounds right at the one yard line. It was beautiful, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that's probably one of the 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 sexiest punts I've ever seen in my life. What it was, it was great to see. Yeah, no, um, I think my wife actually went on um, Texas's custom jerseys and almost threw on a Trejo one in the cart there. Um, <laughs> I just stopped her because I had to remind her I just went one and eight um, on my bet, so we just could not afford a jersey. So, um, but no, he he's easily the best punter in the Big Twelve right now. Um, you could argue he's he's one of the best in the nation. So. Um, obviously great to have him on and kind of give a little insight on the team. So, um, and you know, if you didn't hear it, um, was it last week, Michael? I, I forget. I think it was or a couple weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So two weeks ago we, we interviewed him and he just laid out his entire life story. Basically. Um, it was awesome. Great to hear. Uh, it was a absolutely crazy story. So if you missed that, go back to, I think it's episode 26. Um, it was the Oklahoma recap and Iowa state preview yep. episode. So um, go back, listen to that and then come back to us next week. Um, and, you know, we'll have another interview with Danny there. So um, be sure to look out for that. Um, other than that, um, make sure to tell your friends and family about us. Um, rate us five stars. If you can, if not, just, hit us a retweet or, or share us any way you can. Um, we thank you all for listening. And as always, hook them.